Brides me thankful for grace this morning. Anytime you put up a Brian Free song, you can count me in. Brian Free got it going on. I love his music, love his songs. Thank you so much. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning, the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. Last week I read the entire chapter of Hebrews 11, and we used it somewhat as a thesis for the message to go, but we didn't really turn back and stay this morning. I'll be a little more back on track with the way I normally do things. I'll be a little off track, and we're going to be a few minutes late getting out. I can already tell, but I'll make it up to you tonight. <laughs> I'll be a little brief tonight. Um, by the way, we won't be having services tonight. I hope you enjoy your holiday, and pray for your LSU fans over here. Um, <clears throat> but this morning, we're going to back up just a few verses from Hebrews 11. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. I want to begin reading in verse number 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. I said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Two words you need to underline in your Bible without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And then this is my text for the morning, verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Father God, I pray you take this message this morning. God, I know it's a holiday weekend. I know people are out of town. A lot of different things happening today, God. But I do know, Father, Lord, I know you woke me up in the middle of the morning twice to work on this message, Father. I know you have something in it for us, God. And I pray you'd move through this place and do what only you can do. You speak to each heart, God. May it accomplish a purpose for each person in this place according to your perfect will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the world that we live in today is a very different world from the world that I grew up in. In pretty much every kind of way. I'm not going to waste time or spend time there going over the obvious. But one of the things that we are going to discuss this morning that has changed quite a bit since the day I grew up is the regularity of coming to church. And everybody that's here said, thank God I got up and came this morning. I'll preach to the choir for a little while. And those of you out there on live stream, I'm sorry, sit down and hold on. But we live in a society today where going to church is a take-it-or-leave-it kind of deal for a lot of people. They claim to be a Christian. They claim to be saved. They claim to be going to heaven. But it's kind of a take-it-or-leave-it attitude when it comes to the things of God. Well, that's not the way God intended for the church to be. Deuteronomy chapter 29, the Bible says in verse number 29, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. I'm going to use quite a few passages this morning from the book of Deuteronomy. One reason why is because it basically repeats the law. I know we refer to the Levitical law, and we talk about the book of Leviticus being out of the law, but the truth is, in the book of Leviticus, the theme of that book is a life of holiness. If you look here at Deuteronomy, it basically is the law reinstated. So this morning, as we're looking at the law concerning the church, We're going to look quite a few times, and the reason I look at Deuteronomy is because more than 80 times the New Testament refers to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. If you study the life of Christ, and those of you have one of those, um, whatever that big old William book that we got that we use to study, if you study a lot, you'll find out that the book of Deuteronomy is the Old Testament book mentioned by the Lord Jesus Christ more than any other Old Testament book. One of the reasons that Jesus mentions it so much is because the book deals primarily with God's love, and that deals with man's obedience. 
when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in all the law? He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind and all thy strength. This is the first and the great commandment. But he said, the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But then he, he went on to say, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. Well, what is the law and the prophet? It's the Old Testament. You have all of the law and the prophet. Jesus didn't say do away with the law and the prophet. He said if you keep the two greatest commandments, to love God and to love your neighbor, then you're also going to keep all of the law and the prophet. So he didn't excuse us from any of the Old Testament stuff. Thank God for grace that erases some of it. Amen? That erases some sin. So, so Jesus tells us to obey the law. And here in our text, the law clearly says that we are to forsake not. Well... The word forsake means to leave, to quit, to abandon, or to withdraw from. So what our text is telling us is we're not to leave, abandon, or withdraw from the assembling of ourselves together. The word assembling comes from a Greek word that means a complete collection, especially involving a Christian meeting for the purpose of worship. So the key word there is complete. And what that means is if you're a part of the church and you're not here, then the church is incomplete. I know a lot this morning are on vacation. I know some are watching by live stream, at least if it's working, because they said they would be. Um, and I'll tell you, I hope you have a great vacation. I hope you enjoy your day. Those that are watching on, by television, I, I hope you have an amazing day and an amazing time. But the fact that they're not here means that we're incomplete. Because this is a complete gathering. I know the church is the whole body. It's everything. But this is Faith Baptist Church. This is what God put us here together as one. Psalm chapter 89, verse 15 says, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. God is why we gather. God is why we praise. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one worthy of our praise. God is the one that sent the Son. The Son is the one that came and paid for my sin debt. So the reason we gather is for worship. Anything else is out of place. Anything else is out of order. Anything else is wrong. It's all about Jesus. Nothing else matters in this place. Everything stays about Jesus. And the reason we come together is for a corporate worship that we might worship together and exalt the name of Jesus Christ. The only other time we see this word gather used in the New Testament, at least as a noun, is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Now that's going to be a good gathering. Yes. We're all going to be there for that one. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letters from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come. Except there come a falling away first. Mm -mm. And that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. The word for gathering there in chapter 2 is used several times throughout the New Testament as a verb. But the only other time we see it used as a noun is right here. And the fact is we are instructed as Christians to gather ourselves together for the purpose of worship until the day the Lord Jesus comes and calls us home. Now, on the day that this letter was written... There might have been some that didn't gather for the corporate worship for the obvious reason of persecution. In the day that the letter was written, people were still being sawn in half. People were still being put in prison. People were still being crucified. People were still being burned at the stake. And all that was happening to them because of the name of Jesus Christ. Today we're sitting here in comfortable pews in the comfort of the air conditioning, enjoying the freedom to worship as we please. Thank God for some men and women that have died in our past to give us this day. 
but it didn't come for free. There's some costs associated with it. Even in the day of being sawn asunder, even in the day of being persecuted, even in the day of being crucified for the name of Christ, even in that day, that was no excuse to miss church. I studied some surveys this week. One of the surveys talked about why do people not go to church. So one of the reasons that it said that people do not go to church is they practice their faith in other ways. I'm sorry, but no, you don't. I'm just telling you as a Christian, no, you don't. You worship that little fat man, Buddha, whatever he is, Muhammad, y'all do whatever you want. That's false, and y'all going to join him in hell anyway. You do whatever you want with all that false stuff. But if you worship the Lord Jesus Christ, you, don't, you do not worship him in any other way. Because the only way you can worship the Lord Jesus is to follow the commandments of the book. The only way that you can show your faith is by obeying the commands that he gave us here in his word that have clearly been written. You cannot deliberately disobey the laws of God and call yourself worshiping God. There's no greater form of worship than obedience to the commandments that we already have. 28% of those that don't attend church said it's because they weren't believers. Only 28% of all the people that don't go to church said they're not believers. That means that 72% of those out there who are unchurched have another reason for not coming to church. So I wanted to know what that was. So here's some reasons that they gave. Some say they haven't found a church that they like. Well, if you live within two hours of LaGrange, Georgia, Faith Baptist is worth the drive. Get in the car. Just go ahead and come on. We'll take that one out of the equation. Some people say they go to church because they don't feel welcome. Now, number one, I'll just go ahead and say I think that's probably just an excuse. There's way too many churches in our area to not find one that will tickle your fancy. There's way too many around here that worship in way too many different ways, have way too many different personalities. There's got to be one. But let me just skip past all that part and let's get right here in the house. They say they don't come to church because they don't feel welcome. If that happens at Faith Baptist Church, somebody comes in that door and they leave and they don't come back because they don't feel welcome, that is your fault. Now, I know that ain't very popular in this day where ain't nothing our fault, ain't nothing our children's fault, everything's somebody else's fault. If you don't believe it's somebody else's fault, just ask me. I'll tell you why I did because I made up the excuse. We live in a world where everything's got to be somebody else's fault, but it's not. Don't look up here on this podium. Don't look at your deacons. Don't. If they walk in that door and they walk out and they're not welcome, you look in a mirror and there's the problem. Because every one of us in this place is supposed to be loving on people. If they come in that door, we ought to hug them when they come in the door. We ought to love them. You ought to find somebody you don't know, somebody you don't recognize, somebody that don't look familiar. You ought to hug on somebody, love on somebody. If they're not a visitor, well, if y'all don't know each other, big deal. You still go to church. You got to get to know each other sooner or later. So if somebody comes in here, they ought to feel the love of God, and they ought to feel the love of the brethren. If they don't, that is my fault, and that is your fault. Because we ought to love on everybody that comes through that door, regardless of nothing. Nothing ought to take that off. So we can take that one out of the box. There's two reasons you can come to faith if you don't have a church. You drive two hours, and we're going to love on you. Others say they don't have time. Well, let's just go ahead and discuss that one for just a second. You don't have time not to come to church. You have the same amount of time as everybody else on this planet. You've got 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. It's not that you don't have time, it's that you don't manage your time. You don't take care of your time. And you don't follow the commandments of God's holy word. And, and God gave us a commandment that on the seventh day we were to rest our bodies and we were to glorify him. 
We're to give that day in honor of him. You go, well, this ain't the seventh day. Well, you need to pay attention read the rest of the book. Because the rest of the book, you'll find out that Jesus Christ rose on the first day of the week. You'll find out the Pentecost is the first day of the week. And we're still supposed to come together again on these two commandments. Hang all the law and the prophet. Not get rid of them. That means there's still a day that your body's got to rest or you're going to give out too soon. And that day of rest we're supposed to give to glorify the Lord. Amen? So, so the bottom line is you can't willfully disobey God and get away with it. Saying you ain't got time to come to church is like those people say, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to. You can't afford to disobey God. Life's too short. you got too short a time here. There are rewards waiting for all of eternity based on this little vapor that we're living Whatever the reasons are, the Bible says that we're not allowed to lay out a church. We're not to forsake the assembling. As Christians, it ought to be our top priority to be in the house of God. Our text says that we are to exhort one another. It comes from a Greek word that means we're to be inviting to one another. We're to be a comfort for one another. That means when we come in here, we're supposed to be loving on each other. When we go out of here, we're supposed to be loving on each other. We're supposed to be comforting to each other. Any backbiting is out of place. Any garbage on social media is out of place. Anything that is not in love with, with the brethren is out of place. It's so in discord amongst the brethren. It's a sin against the word of God. We're to come together for the purpose of worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're to come together that we be one in Christ. We are one body in Christ. We are all brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Exhort one another. So for some, the question is, well, how often should I go to church? Well... A good answer for that would be any time the doors are open. One of the things that you will find is that those people here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and involved in the ministries aren't the people who come up missing. They're not the ones who vanish. They're the ones who've been here for 20, 30, and 40 years serving in a church, working hard and working strong. But the truth is I can't give you the text, anything that says be here twice a day on Sundays or be here on Wednesday or Thursday for, for mid-service, that's not there. I just want to just stick to what the scriptures have to say. So here's what we do know. If we're Christians, we're supposed to be Christ-like. Amen? Amen? So how often did Jesus go to church? Well, he's the founding of the church. He's the beginning of the church. And we know at the time that Jesus walked on the earth, what they actually had was the temple. Amen? We're all good with that. And the purpose of the temple was they came to the temple to worship. So how often did Jesus go to the temple? Well, according to the scriptures, every day. According to the scriptures, Luke chapter 21, verse 37, in the daytime he was teaching in the temple, and at night he went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him. Matthew 26, at the arrest of Jesus, Jesus said to him, verse 55, in the same hour Jesus said to the multitudes, Are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple. And you laid no hold on me. Mark 14, 49, I was daily with you in the temple teaching. You took me not, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Luke 19, 47, and he taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him. Luke 22, 53, when I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me, but this is your hour in the power of darkness. Acts chapter 2, verse 46, talking about the apostles, but it says that they continued daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart chapter 5 verse 42 daily in the temple in every house they cease not to teach and to preach jesus christ i'm not suggesting that we ought to have church every day because we ain't coming anyway i, I get that I, I get that and i'm not throwing rocks 
at the ones that aren't here on Sunday night or Wednesday night. I don't want you to think I'm casting stones up here. Uh, I'm not throwing rocks even at the ones who aren't consistent on Sunday morning. What I am doing is I'm giving you the Bible. I'm teaching what the Scriptures say to the child of God this morning. That's all we're doing. So I looked at this survey, not only why do people not go to church, but I looked at the survey, why do people go to church? Well, some say it's to worship. Praise God. They asked some of y'all. They, they, they got a good answer. Others say it's just the right thing to do. That one's a little iffy. Some say it's to make some other person happy in their life. Y'all know that one, don't you? It's about mom or it's about husband or wife. It's about somebody. It's just trying to please somebody to keep somebody off your back. Some say it's just family, family tradition. My, my family's just always gone. It's just a tradition. It's just what we do. We get up on Sunday morning. We go to church. And let me, let me just go ahead and plug something in right here before I move on. That's one of the biggest reasons why I talk to people that they're inconsistent in church. Now, I'm not throwing off on no other church. But you need to be in a church where God is feeding you. You need to be in a church where the Holy Spirit is moving. You need to be in a church where you're learning something about Jesus Christ. You need to be in a church as you're learning something about growing in your faith. You need to be in a church where your children are learning something about Jesus Christ and living a godly life in this hell-tinged world that we're living in. You ought to be learning something about God. But people say, well, you know, that's where mom and them always went. We don't get nothing out of it. We get up and go there most of the time. That's just called where mom and them's at. And they always went there. And, you know, I just wouldn't feel right leaving. Well, if you ain't getting nothing, why are you there? That, that's not what God expects out of us. God ain't worried about where mom and them went to church. 31% of those in the survey said they go to church because they feel obligated to. Some say they go because they hope it will make them a better person. Some say they go to church because, well, that's a good place to meet people or a good place to socialize our text says that the law says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching deuteronomy chapter 6 says thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thine heart with all thy soul and with all thy might and these words which i command thee this day shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates if that sounds familiar that's because i read that at baby dedications because that's what mom and dad is supposed to be doing at home with the children in Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 18 therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontless between your eyes and you shall teach them to your children speaking to them when when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down when thou risest up thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house and upon thy gates that your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth for if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to cleave unto him, then the Lord will drive out all the nations from before you, and you shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. The bottom line is we're supposed to come together to worship the Lord. It is the law, and the book consistently tells us that we are to obey the laws. While I'm on moms and dads and children, I'll go ahead and tell you, you may not have to come Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, but it ain't going to hurt you if you do. That's not a rock in the water. That's just the truth. It's not going to hurt your children either if they're here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. 
And if you bring your children and put them in the treehouse and put them in the ministries and bring them to Awana and let us help you at home and instruct in the children and train a child up in the way they should go, your children will benefit from it. But let me go ahead and this one is a rock. I'm sorry. I said this one about three or four years ago and a family got mad and left the church over it, so I may lose another one today, but the truth ain't changed, so I'm going to go ahead and say it again. If you're one of the ones dropping your children off at that gym or dropping them off at that door and sending them a children's program and you're leaving and going somewhere else, you're telling the church ain't all that important to me. Amen. You're telling them it's important for you to go as a child, but it ain't all that important when I grow up. Amen. Now, you can get mad at me if you want to, but your actions is teaching them more than your words are. Amen. Well, I should just stay out of that. I probably lost at least one more family. Amen. Where was I even at? So what is the purpose? What is the purpose of praying? What is the purpose of reading the Bible? What is the purpose of going to church? Well, one is because that's God's commandments. And that ought to be reason enough. But another, so that we stay strong in the faith. We strengthen one another. Iron sharpeneth iron. We, we get together and we work together and, and it strengthens us. Now, everybody knows what the numbers 666 six, six are, right? Everybody kind of familiar with those, you know? The, yeah. Well, for me, I don't really think it's a coincidence that in John chapter 6, verse 66, that the text says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Jesus is teaching the disciples, not the inner 12. He's teaching a multitude of people. And he's teaching the disciples. And the Bible says that some of them in John 6, 66, says that some of the disciples turned around and went back. Now, let me just make this real simple. If you study this passage, I'll break it down and you won't have to go back and look through it. Because they didn't like what they heard, they left. Because Jesus told them the truth, and it didn't tickle their ears, they left. Because the truth wasn't flattering to the ears, they left. Because it wasn't the way they wanted it to be, they left. Whether you realize it or not, when you leave, when you're not here, you're affecting other people around you. Well, I'm just telling you, that's just real. You're affecting other church people. You don't know. You think everybody's sitting around you, these rock-solid Christians. You have no idea the storms that are sitting right here in this church. You have no idea the battlefield that's going on between the ears of everybody in this place right now. You have no idea the ones that affected when they walked in here on a Sunday morning and your smiling face wasn't sitting here or your raised hand wasn't sitting there. You have no idea how it affects other people when you're not here. They well. I mean, I didn't, I didn't tell them to leave. I didn't tell them not to be here. It is your actions that encourage or discourage others. Amen? Amen? After the crucifixion, Dale preached on it Wednesday night over in the youth sanctuary when Peter said, I go a fishing. He said, I'm going back to the only thing I know how to do. I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back to what I used to be. I'm going back to what I was before. But if you study the text, what you'll find out is that others went with him. Therefore, he's liable. There's a responsibility. There is no going back for you and I. He talked to this side. I said, there is no going back for you and I. Y'all hear me, Balcony? There is no going back. This is what there is. This is the best thing that's ever been in our life. Old things are passed away, thank God. If you even remember your yesterday, there ain't nothing back there I want. There ain't nothing back there I need. There ain't nothing back there I care about. I've been there, done that, and it stinks. This is where it's at. It's all about Jesus. And I don't care how many storms or trials or battles it brings. It's all about Jesus. This is the best day I've ever lived. And the only one better than this is going to be tomorrow if he wakes me up again. Amen? 
Now, I'm trying to be nice. Paul Hutchins referred the other day to a 5.5 socket. I'm surprised he remembers that because I preached that message probably six years ago at least. Um, I was filling in for Pastor Freeman one time, and I think it was a Sunday night, and I preached a message about a 5.5 metric socket, and I brought a toolbox in there. And the illustration was the 5.5. I bought all these tool kits. You know, most of the time you can buy a whole kit cheaper than you buy one socket if you're buying quality tools. It's like every time I buy a tool kit, it's got a 5.5 metric socket in it. To my knowledge, I ain't never used one of them in my life. The funny part was Paul said he needed one. She called me. I got about a thousand of them. It seemed like every time you get a, now I don't know, maybe they're not where well, I hadn't had to buy them, but it seemed like every time I bought one, it had that little 5.5 in it. And it was something that was in the toolbox, but it never really got used. It was in there, so obviously it was a necessary piece of the toolbox, just like everybody in this place. Just like everybody in this place is a necessary part of the toolbox. You're a necessary part of Faith Baptist Church. And when you're not here, we might need that 5.5 that day. That might be the one day that little metric bolt shows up. We need to tighten this thing down. It's a necessary part. It wouldn't be in there, right? I talked that day about other things that are more usable. I talked about things like channel lock pliers. Anybody know what channel locks are? Oh, yeah. I know Rich does. Rich, Rich let, let me go ahead and tell you, buy Snap-on. It's got a push button, it adjusts, and it sticks. Anything different than those, they're adjustable, but I'll just go ahead and tell you, channel locks are good for two things. One, they're good for hurting yourself. <laughs> and the other, they're good for making you cuss. <laughs> so if you struggle with language issues, don't use channel locks <laughs> because they'll bring out the worst in you. Things like crescent wrenches, adjustable wrenches. Those are multiple-use wrenches. Those are things that can be used at different days and different applications. At different. I want to be one of those. I don't want to just sit in the toolbox. I don't want to show up and know that I got used one time somewhere along the way. I want to be something usable. One of the things that I brought that day was the impact wrench because we love the impact wrench because the impact wrench is the most versatile thing in the truck. Corey will tell you, he still moves houses. He still owns a business. They do it every day. You get out of the truck with an impact wrench in your hand. Pop your battery in that thing, go to work, man. You put on an inch and an eighth or a 15, 16 socket, crawl in there and put the tongue on. You can go back there and put on it to three-quarter socket and hang the axles. You can change it to a seven-eighth socket and put on the tires. You can change it to a nine-sixteenths and take the lags out of the floor. I mean, you, you just keep on changing. You can use that thing all day long. But the more you use it, the weaker it becomes. The batteries will start running down on it. See, it can be good all day, but if I don't charge it at the end of the day or the first of the next day, then that thing's not really going to do me any good. The same thing is true with the Christian walk. You, you can't just go through life putting out, putting out, putting out. Sooner or later, as a child of God, we've got to get charged up. Well, what is it that charges the Christian's battery? Reading God's Word, prayer, and fellowship with the brethren. Coming together as a church. You can't... Make it through the week spiritually strong if you do not spend time with the charger. The more we charge, the stronger we're going to be. Now, you can walk out of here on Sunday fully charged, but if God uses you all day on Monday, just like that impact wrench, you'll be no good on Tuesday if you don't charge back up some Monday night and or Tuesday morning. How do I do that? Get in the book. You spend time in prayer, and you spend time reading. Amen? 
So I was, I was thinking, what would be a good illustration to help you get it? I got 17 minutes left, and I'll be done in 24, so we're going to be close. What would be a good illustration? Well, I thought about the cell phone. I don't know nothing that anybody today understands much better than the cell phone. That's about as good as it gets to help you understand. Isn't that an amazing piece of equipment? I mean, man, that thing does everything. It knows everybody's phone number. It, uh, you're riding down the road. You know, used to, I could touch it, but now that that's against the law, I have to talk to it. And that's even more amazing. I, I can be thinking about a message and thinking about stuff, and God gives me stuff. And I don't know if y'all like me, if God gives me something, i got to write it down, or I ain't going to remember it in five minutes. So I can talk to my phone, to my notepad, and have notes in my phone when I get home. That's crazy. I can think of something I need to know. I say, okay, Google, I can ask it. Hey, Google even knows some stuff about the Bible. You can ask it questions riding down the road, and if you know how to work stuff right, it'll even answer you through your car speaker and tell you what you wanted to know. Isn't, isn't that an incredible piece of equipment? Come a long way from when I was a boy. Y'all remember how you had to stand right up to the wall? Had a cord about this long? Y'all remember the day when we got like 20-foot cords and you could actually walk around in the kitchen? Man, was that not deliverance or what? You know, we had to know everybody's number back then, too. You know that, right? You were like a walking Rolodex, man. We knew everybody's phone number. Now I don't know nobody's. If, if I don't call you anymore, it's because I lost my phone. So you go through all the process, and it says, busy. That would never work anymore because, you know, you got to come back in about 10 minutes and call them again in 10 minutes. In this day and time, I already forgot what I was calling for in the first place. You got to answer the first time. So about 10 minutes, you go by, and you go through the whole process again. About 15 minutes, you're like, who in the world are they talking to? Get off the phone. Can you imagine in today's world if we actually had to take, oh, I don't know, 15 seconds to dial a number and, and go through all, and then it was busy? Can, y'all, can you imagine getting a busy signal today? I mean, that's the thing of the past. Thank God. We get screened a lot. They don't answer it. But at least you don't get a busy signal. They have to know we called. Before it was just busy, they didn't even know we called. And, and we can leave voicemails. I mean, man, what a new day, right? So how many of you are going to use your phone today? I, I thank God. Man, you know, one of the things, they need to really fix this new law or either they need to make phones Hoganese applicable. Because I can be riding down the road and tell my phone, say, call Daddy, and Danny answers the phone. I said, who is this? He said, y'all know you just called me. I said, no, I didn't. I called Daddy. You know, you called Danny. Well, I meant to call Daddy. I told my phone to call Daddy. The thing, the thing needs, they, they need to get some clarification so you know who you're talking to when you call. You hate when the wrong person answers the phone. And they think you're crazy when you say, who is this? Just because you called them. I didn't call you. Let's get this straightened out. Technology called you. I called my Daddy. And now I forgot what I want to call my Daddy for. So I didn't call nobody now. Just hang up. Y'all live in the same world I live in? Anyway, anyway. So how many of you use a cell phone today? How many of you will charge it tonight? Now, see, if we don't charge it, then you're going to lose Facebook and Snapchat and Twitter and um, Instagram, and you're going to use your home, your home shopping network, and you're going to lose eBay, and you're going to lose Amazon. How will we function if we lose our phone? You lose all that stuff if we don't charge it. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal about the phone. The phone will still have all of its amazing features. 
everything that it can do, all of the knowledge, all of the wealth, everything, it is all there. But if it's not charged, it does you no good. You have to charge the phone or it's nothing more than a paperweight. It's just rendered useless. The same thing is true in the life of a Christian. If we do not pray, if we do not study, if we do not come to church, if we do not get charged, then we are not energized. We have all of this amazing potential. God created you and I to be something special, to reach a lost and dying world and tell them, hey, I was headed to hell too. Let me tell you how I got turned around. There's a better way. There's a new way. There's an answer. There's a free gift in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that'll change everything about your life, that'll make all things. Listen, you won't even want to do that stuff no more. It ain't like you have to quit. Nothing in you wants to go back to there. You want to be right here. You want to fellowship with the brethren. You want to be at church. You want to read the Word of God. You can't wait to pray in the morning. You fall asleep talking to him at night. You wake up talking to him in the morning. You walk around during the day. Corey used to ask me at work. He'd say, sir. I said, I didn't say nothing. He said, I thought I heard you talking. That's when I realized I was praying too loud. You know, you just keep getting louder when you're talking. But it is a relationship. It's a fellowship. We ought to have that. We ought to be all that we can be. The more we recharge, then the more we can be used. That's why we pray every day. To read. You listening? To not read. Let me put in a not. To not read or to not pray or to not come to church tells God my relationship with you ain't all that important to me. I'm just telling you the truth this morning. Right out of the scriptures, we take care of the relationships that matter to us. We take care of what is important to us. And to say, I don't want to spend any time. Listen, the reason we pray is to talk to God. The reason we read is for God to talk to us. The reason we come to church is for the fellowship and the strengthening and the love and the support and the encouragement that, that we encourage one another and pull one another up. Yes. I talked about it on a Wednesday night not too long back. I said, man, how many of you made it here just in time today? Wednesdays are just like that sometimes. You get up in the morning, you got up early, you've been through everything all day going on, and, and then, man, you know you got to get up early tomorrow morning, and you almost didn't come. But then you made it in the door. You still ain't real happy about being here, but you made it in the door. At least I got in the air conditioning and sat down. But then we start singing that first old hymn on a Wednesday night. And your little blood starts circulating in your body again. Feel your toes start working. Got a little, little blood pumping, a little tickering. By the time we get to that second old hymn, start getting a little beat back in your step now. Start, start feeling like I'm going to survive. By, by the time you leave here, all you can think is, thank God that I didn't let the devil talk me into staying home because I needed that so bad. Some of you are like that sometimes on a Sunday morning. Some of you are like that this morning. You ain't got to raise your hand. We all been there, done that. I'm so tired. I shouldn't have stayed up and watched that last ball game. Especially when one of your team loses because then your man can't go to sleep. Oh, I think I'll just lie around and get a little bit of rest. I don't, really, I don't really feel like getting up, but the Holy Spirit just won't let you lay there. Amen. Before you know it, you finally get up and you finally make it here and you, and you finally make it in the door. Anybody glad you're here this morning? Anybody, anybody glad to be in church? All right, let me close. I'm almost out of time anyway. Real quick before we close. Why should we go to church? Well, one, because the Bible tells us to. But why do you come to one church? Why don't we do membership? Why don't we do 
church membership? Well, because we're a family. We are one body in Christ, fitly joined together. And I told you, I know the whole church is the body of Christ, but churches have personalities. And, and God has a place for you. God has a place for people. And this is, this is the place where God has put us. You know, we live in this society today that they change things all the time. Mm. My generation retired from jobs after 40 years. The generation before me retires 40, 50, 60 years at the same job. This newer generation, I'm not casting a rock, it's just a different world. They'll change jobs several times in a year. When the new phones come out, they're going to get the new one right then because they want the latest and the greatest and the fastest and all that stuff. That's the worst thing my generation can do because we spent two years learning how to use the thing. And when it messes up, we have to go to somebody's grandchildren and say, well, you fix that thing for me and hand it back to me. Just fix, Whatever's doing, I don't care. Just fix it and get it back where it works. Chuck and Susan, we, we were sitting at a ball game. We talked about that at a ball game, man. We just, that's the only way we know how to use them. We finally learned how to use them and do the basic stuff. And anything I hate worse than having to get a new phone. They make it where it'll last for a couple years, just about long enough to learn to use. And then when you go back, they don't make that one no more. They change something just enough. You've got to learn how to start all over. So we don't like that kind of change. But one of the things that we always have done is we find a church and we stick in it. We, we find where we believe God wants us to be and we plug in and we work and we stay put right there. We're not looking to change or move around. We're just looking for God. What can I do right here? What can I do right here in this place? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spare you a little time. We come in to get recharged. One, one of the things that I've heard, and, and I'm good, but people go, well, I have these ministry ideas. I got a ministry. I got something I want to do. Well, praise God. Come see me. If you got a new ministry, I'm going to help you. We're going to get that ministry going. We're going to help you get a name and a logo and let God give you a scripture for it and let God get behind your ministry because it ain't no ministry if God ain't driving it. And I'm going to help you. Get your ministry pointed in a godly direction. Let God have put that together and go. But you ain't got to go to another church, start another ministry. If God, let me give you the Christian's number one mission field. Come to church on Sunday. Get your batteries charged. Get up on Monday. Read your Bible. And then Monday through Saturday, be a walking, living, breathing testimony for Jesus Christ. That is your mission field. It never changes. It never goes away. That is our mission field. That's why we come. That's why we live, to go out and tell somebody about Jesus. You don't have to change churches to start a new ministry. You can start a new ministry right here if that's what you think God is leading you to do. Amen. Now, I'm all about encouraging people to do ministries. Y'all know everything I preach is to push you off the pews. I, I want you to get up. I want you to serve God because there are re rewards there for you. There's, the more you do to serve God, the more re rewards you have in eternity. God will do things for you. So here's the deal. You want to get involved in ministries? I would love that. Get up. Come see me. You could have helped serve last week. Valerie, Natalie wouldn't have minded one bit if you'd helped serve right down there in the gym. We've got things coming up this Saturday. Selena, the Fruit of Our Hands Ministries, handing out food this Saturday. You'll be right here. Matter of fact, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. You can sign up, be a part of it, come here, help fix the sandwiches, get the things ready, go out to some homeless people in the community. By the way, while I'm on that, the dollar ministry, please put a dollar in as you go by. That will fund that this week. One dollar from everybody in this place. We're going to go out and feed the communities right here in LaGrange, Georgia, and try to be a blessing let the Lord's light shine through us. So you can serve right here. 
You'd be a part of that. Show up on Saturday to help cook, go knock on door. Any part of it. There's all different parts of it. It's the second Saturday of every month, the second Monday of every month. Vince, it's saying you can be, got 1221 ministries over in the flagpole. You can be here and be a part of that. I can give you one if you really want to sell out, Judgment Journey. There are sign-up sheets in that foyer. Do you know why there's not an assignment sheet in the foyer? Because enough of you ain't signed up. You think because you've been in it before, we're just going to put you on the list. No, we're not. If you don't sign up, we don't know that you're in there, so we can't, we can't put it out. So we don't know what we got. We really need about 400 people to pull judgment journey off where we need to. We got about 250 signed up. So if you ain't signed up, you could do that today before you leave. Get your name on the list. So if you can't be here every night, praise God. Be here the nights that you can. Do, do something. I'm just telling you, there's a lot. The turkey shoot. The turkey shoot is coming up this Saturday. Be here. Be a part of it. Help set up. Help take down. Just come support it. It's for ministries. It's for raising ministries for going to um, Thailand and to Costa Rica for two of the foreign mission trips. You can be here and be a part of it and serve in it. Um, Wednesday night, so why not? I know Larry and Sylvia, we would love to have help on Wednesday night. I'll go ahead and put one in. And you're going to hear a shout if they're listening in the background. Y'all listen see if they got the speakers on back there. You can sign up and help in the nursery. Yeah, some of them. The more people that sign up in the nursery, the less often it comes around. You can sign up for prayer room warriors. How much simpler does it get than that? You sign up for prayer room warriors. If I'm standing here preaching, then there's people in those rooms praying. I'm, I'm not stupid enough or good enough to stand up here and preach if people ain't praying. So when the music stops and I start preaching, people start praying. They're called prayer room warriors. It's once every several weeks, more than two months apart, that your time will come. We have event prayer warriors that any time we have an event going on Saturday, when they go out, there'll be people here praying. When we go out and do a barbecue, there'll be people here praying. We're down there at Judgment Journey. They'll be, see, we're not naive enough to believe that we can go out in our own power and do anything. We go out in the power of God. We go out in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we go out, we want people here praying. All of those are ministries. Those are ministries right here in your church. Things that you can sign up and be a part of. And that's when we pull together. That's, that's where we grow strong together. That's where we grow bonds. And that's how God uses us in one accord. Amen. John chapter 18, verse 1, when Jesus has spoken these words, this is at the Lord's Supper. It says that he went forth his disciples over the brook Kedron, where there was a garden into which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. As Christians, we ought to be predictable. I said, as Christians, we ought to be predictable. There ought not nobody waste their time picking up their phone, calling you on a Sunday morning. They ought to know you ain't going to answer the phone because they know where you are. Maybe even Sunday night and Wednesday night. Let me give you this one. There ought to be a time in your morning that they know they don't even call in your house. Because your phone is on silent. I'm sorry. I love you. But there's a time. It's my long time with God. And I don't, I'm not going to. There ought to be some time of your day when you know your phone's going to be on silent. There ought to be some predictability to the child of God. They ought to know on Sunday morning they don't even come into my house looking for me. That ain't where we're going to be. That's why y'all got them big old Rottweilers there protecting your house, right? People that know us ought not call and ask us, hey, you want to go to the ball game? You want to go to the race? You want to go fishing? You want to go hunting Sunday morning? Just, no, no, they ought to know my worship is my priority. Amen. And if they know that about us, 
then where are we going to be on Sunday? Let me read you this. I'm done. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. And that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgment, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away so thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. And that's what you do. When you go to a ball game, you go to a race, you go hunting, you go fishing, you do anything, you're serving another god, you're choosing it over God. And if you turn to other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land whether thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God and thou mayest obey his voice and thou mayest cleave unto him for he is thy life. And the length of thy days. Could I have you stand, please? I don't have to understand messages, I don't have to understand why God has me preach what He has me preach when He has me preach it. I just have to know what he says. At 3.45 in the morning on Tuesday morning, I got up and I tried to convince myself I just needed to go to the bathroom and I could lay back down. And I thank God I still got a couple more hours to sleep, so I lay back down. He said, get up. I got something to talk about. About 30 minutes earlier than that, the next morning, he said, you didn't finish that yesterday. Get up. I believe I believe Faith Baptist Church is a very special place. I love the heart of Faith Baptist Church. I love the worship of Faith Baptist Church. And you know who the heart of Faith Baptist Church is? It's God's children gathered together. It's you and your Lord. God put us together for a purpose, and I believe God wants to do something that we can't even fathom. I believe God wants to do something with this group of people that would blow our own minds. It's beyond our own imagination. But it involves a solid commitment, a commitment to the things of God. The things of God is being in church consistently on Sundays. The things of God is reading this Bible consistently seven days a week. The things of God is consistently spending time in prayer seven days a week. That we might be strong, that we don't get worn down, that we don't get weak. That God might send us out and make us usable vessels that we're fully charged. Amen. So if we could take a few minutes and pray before we leave. But God, help us as Faith Baptist Church to be the church that he wants us to be. Help us, God, to be fully committed. Help us to set aside any of the stuff that would hold us back and keep us from being everything that God's called us to be. While we're praying, Christians, I want to ask you to be praying if there's any that's lost and on their way to hell this morning. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can change all that today. Are you willing to confess your sins? That has to be number one. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I'm asking you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sin, and save my soul in Jesus' name. Not a magic prayer, it's your heart. 
know it's amazing to me I don't have to preach on salvation for the Holy Spirit to draw you to salvation one more time will you say Lord Jesus I am a sinner I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sin and save my soul in Jesus name you said that prayer this morning you just 